0: No Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, coming to you during the quarterfinal stage of the Miami Open this week, which is being played this year outside of the Hard Rock Stadium. In Miami Gardens instead of inside the Hard Rock Stadium like it was two years ago, or on Key Biscayne like it was three years ago. But last year the Miami Open wasn't held at all due to the onset of the pandemic. So playing it this year is progress we'd think. But it's been weird. It's been it's been a tournament that was faced with a lot of withdrawals and pretty meager crowds even within the the limits and the caps that were put on ticket sales. So for a feel of what it's been like on the grounds there. This episode, I'm joined by Miami Herald sports columnist Michelle Kaufman, who has been a fixture of the tournament press room for years for her take on the tournament and just to give us some local flavor, or as you'll find out, some overpriced, probably, local flavor. Here's Michelle. Very excited to be joined by Michelle Kaufman of the Miami Herald. Michelle, thank you for being up for doing this, and I've seen you on the Zooms clearly at the Miami Open. How's uh, How's it feeling on the grounds there this week?
1: Yeah, it's really weird. I'll be honest with you. There's just no energy um, walking around. There are so few people. I mean, it is such a vast facility. The uh, Hard Rock Stadium is a massive mammoth building in the middle of a gargantuan parking lot, and that is really where the tournament is held. I mean, honestly, the tournament is held on a parking lot. Right. Um, They've they've dressed it up. They have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of trees and potted plants and, um, you know, some really pretty. I mean, they've done what they can. They put water fountains in and there's a lot of places to sit and benches and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's a really big space and there are very few people. So normally this tournament draws between 20 to 25,000 per day. It's around 300,000 for the whole tournament. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's back in Key Biscayne and also in 2019 at this new facility, they also drew over 300,000. Um, nowadays, they're allowing between 750 to 900 people per day. So, I mean, that that number spread over the amount of acreage that's there. it's It, it really feels empty, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, the weather has been glorious I mean it's been hot, but it's been really sunny. I shouldn't even say this, but there hasn't been, there hasn't been a single rain delay.
0: Um,
1: I'll say it quietly. Of course, tomorrow it'll probably rain now, but um, everything's gone on schedule. Um, There's been some really good tennis and, you know, everything like that, but it just, it's definitely missing fan energy, media energy. I mean, there's nobody there as far as the media, almost everyone is doing it remotely I'm one of the few print reporters who's even there. Um, most people are doing it remote. Um, normally they have 200 credentials per day average, and they have 20. They're mm-hmm. limited to 20 and 20 includes everybody. It includes the reporters and the photographers. There are only 20 people on site covering the event on site. Yeah. So it's just really different. I mean, normally there's a very international flavor Um, you will see fans from all different countries that have flown in especially from Latin America it's known as kind of the South American Open and you always have Argentine fans and Chilean fans and Brazilian fans and Colombians and they come they fly in and make a little vacation out of it stay on the beach go watch the tennis every day they wear their soccer jerseys and wave their flags and sing in Spanish and um, you know, there was a little in the Schwartzman match last night, there were a few people there with the Argentine flags, but it's definitely not uh, the noise, the boisterous fans, the noise, the energy, the Latin music blaring through the speakers, all that stuff yeah. is missing this year. And it, it's really a shame, you know, I mean, they're, they're putting it on, they're doing the best they can, they are playing tennis, um, you know, the purse is greatly reduced and the energy is greatly reduced.
0: Yeah, no, I think the purse is reduced by about sixty percent, and sixty to eighty, depending on the round, I think is roughly the range. And the energy is even greater reduction than that for sure. I mean, like you said, it just does look really empty on on TV, and it and it sounds mo- this it sounds better than it looks. I think there is some. I think the people who are there are pretty engaged in the matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it clearly took a lot of commitment for people to come, be willing to get to Miami Gardens and pay for the tickets, which are not cheap. And um, and to be there in this sort of weird, I would think, kind of depressing atmosphere, but still stay engaged uh, in the matches. The tournament, I think, was pretty insistent on having fans there. And I know, obviously, let's talk about that side of it first. Obviously, in Florida, things have been more open than in a lot of parts of the country with everything DeSantis is doing as governor there. What has been the sort of journey towards this level of the staging of the tournament, which involves we haven't mentioned, but there's no stadium inside the football stadium, which there was last time the tournament was held in twenty nineteen, uh, on the on the Dolphins field. What has it felt like in terms of getting it this feel like it's feels like a compromise open in a lot of ways? Compromise Miami Open. How, how what is what was sort of the journey to get to this point as you've as Yeah, been
1: well, it? I mean, I think they, they definitely wanted fans, you know, they have had fans at that stadium for the Dolphin Games. They had fans. Mm. They had thirteen thousand fans for the Dolphin Games. They had thirteen thousand fans for the University of Miami football games. They had a soccer match there, which also had you know similar type of crowd. So they have been uh, having audiences in that stadium um, all season for football, and they really do have it down. I mean, it's it's very it's very cumbersome actually. They have very strict protocols. Um, You know, every time I get there, I have to fill out on my phone a symptom, daily symptom checker. Uh, At one time, I tried to cheat. I'll be perfectly honest. And I just tried (laughs) to show the security guard my one from yesterday because I thought to myself, there's no way they're going to zoom in and see the date. So I just took a screenshot of the one from the day before. And I walked up and I tried to show it. And the security guard said, Could you please uh, zoom in? I need to check the date. I was like, "Oh God, I'm I'm about to be busted!" (laughs) And I opened up, I zoomed in, and he goes, "Uh, "Ma'am, this is yesterday's COVID checker. You need to do a COVID checker every day." And I said, "Oh gosh, I thought I did. Oh, you know, I played (laughs) dumb." But they really, truly are checking every day. The daily symptom checker. Um, They are taking our temperature. Um, when we come in, there are guards there that take everybody's temperature. As far as the media, they have us in little cubicles. Each, each outlet has their own cubicle separate from everybody else. Um, you know, the fans are sitting very far apart, but they were determined to A, put the tournament on. I mean, they, I'm sure they've just lost massive amounts of money. And, um, and, and down here in, in South Florida, and in Florida, in general, um, there have been there have been fans in the stands in limited numbers. And and um, and Inter Miami, for example, the soccer team I cover in Fort Lauderdale, their stadium is there. And at the end of the season, they had about one thousand to two thousand fans in a stadium of nineteen thousand. So mm-hmm. there's been about a ten percent in sports down here. It's been around a ten to fifteen percent um, fan, you know, attendance, which has been better than nothing. Like you said, there is a little bit of cheering. There is somebody watching the matches, which is nice. The players have all said basically, you know, the same thing, which is some fans are better than no fans, you know, at least they're playing in front of somebody, at least when they make a great, you know, shot, somebody cheers, somebody claps. So, you know, Uh, As far as not having the stadium inside, um, I think that that was a very expensive undertaking to build that stadium inside a stadium. Also, honestly, there were a lot of purists, me being one of them. I just didn't think the atmosphere was great inside that stadium because it was too big. That stadium is a stadium of 74,000. And, you know, there's only so many drapes you can put on it to block it out. I, I, You know, I honestly think if they want to keep it at that site, they should just have an outdoor court, uh, you know, even if it has a cover on it or whatever, but there should be a separate uh, court that is much smaller than a 74,000 seat football stadium. But, And in fact, the players have said this time what they did, the entire field, the entire gigantic Miami Dolphins field is now a workout space for the players. So um, the American players have been throwing footballs around and running routes. I mean, I, you know, you there's videos and stuff of them, you know, John Isner throwing passes and other guys catching running, you know, running routes. And then on the other end of the field, they have a bunch of mini soccer fields set up. So a lot of the international players are kicking the soccer ball around. Then they've got a bunch of weights and, you know. Uh, mats, yoga mats, and different things. So they've been able to utilize that big giant space as a big workout area, very spaced out and socially distanced. And I think the players players I've spoken to all said that they really like that setup. And if the stadium was inside there, they wouldn't be able to have it. So I actually think it's better without the stadium inside. The other thing with having the stadium inside was in 2019, I felt like and people I know felt like like there were two different events. There was the stadium sock, the stadium tennis tournament that was going on inside the stadium, which was just that center court and some really, really fancy luxury boxes with leather seats and, you know, lots of liquor and great food and all that. So that was one tournament going on. Then outside was the more outdoor festival, tropical feeling not as tropical as Key Biscayne, but attempting to be tropical feeling tournament, which was more close to what they had in Key Biscayne. So I kind of felt like there were two different events and people either attended one or the other. I actually think it's better just having it all outside.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, I was there in 2019 and I definitely felt like two different events and I really preferred the outdoor event of the two. And the outdoor, the weather was good again two years ago. Uh, the crowds were good out there. And I didn't, yeah, I appreciated the sort of idea of the stadium within a stadium they did uh, there. But I thought, especially if you were sitting in the sort of the original built-in football seats, I thought the sight lines were really bad. And it was just hard to watch tennis from those sorts of angles and pretty far away from the court. One, One time I actually got onto the temporary structure and was able to sit behind one of the baselines I thought it was great but we are then essentially again another pop-up stadium and the ones outside were nicer and like you said they try to do things to make it feel tropical with the palm trees they 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 truck in and all sorts of stuff like that um
1: yeah,
0: yeah. what has it been have you been able to feel cause talking about being on site and there's not very many media on site and I was talking to Sam Henderson who's the media coordinator for the tournament you know a couple months ago I guess when I was debating whether or not to come down and he sort of, intentionally or not, sort of talked me out of coming because he was saying just the access wouldn't be great. You wouldn't be able to be face-to-face with the players ever or the coaches. You have to do everything on Zoom, even if you are, you know, only a couple hundred yards apart from each other on the site um, and not even all the match courts to be accessible. There would be some of them that were not open to the, even the public or the media to get to. Um, have you felt like you've been able to connect with this event while you've been there? Or is it, has it felt, just what's it feel like as a, as a reporter on the ground trying to cover and trying to get a feel for this, uh, event.
1: Yeah. It it feels very isolated. I mean, I think it's in all sports. I'm feeling that way. I'm feeling very disconnected from every team I cover, um, whether I cover university of Miami basketball, I cover inter Miami soccer, MLS and tennis, everything I cover. I feel like I'm at an art, you know, I'm at about 10 arms distance from what I'm actually covering. All the interviews are on zoom. Uh, you know, with the case of tennis, the only thing that you can do as a journalist that you can't do by not by doing it remotely is I can attend matches on three, you know, three of the 15 courts. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I can see I can sit in the grandstand court and I can sit in court one and I can sit in the Butch Buchholz court. So, you know, you you can attend uh, the marquee matches, which is something I can't do if I'm not there. Other than that, I mean, and you know. That's a pretty cool benefit. Other than that, there is no other benefit to being there because um, all the interviews are on Zoom. I haven't done a single interview. I I have run into uh, James Blake three times in the food court. It's Mm. not even a food court, it's food trucks. They have um, six food trucks. That is, you know, last time, 2019, They had all these very fancy dining options where some of the hottest, trendiest restaurants in Miami had set up pop-ups there in these really cool, you know, with all these architects came out and designed these really cool areas and dining facilities and bars and stuff like that. Right now they have six food trucks and, you know, you just go there and you stand in a line at the food truck and then they have picnic tables out there and you can sit and eat outside in the little courtyard Um, So I have run into James Blake a couple of times. So I've been able to just chit chat with him a little bit. Other than that, uh, there isn't much benefit to being there. I mean, yeah, you do get to see the matches live on three courts, but you can't really go to the practice courts. You can't go to any of the other outer courts. Um, You don't run into anyone unless you happen to run into them in the, you know, in the courtyard on the way to grandstand, maybe you would run into somebody. So there's that, but all the interviews have been on zoom. I haven't had any one-on-one individual interviews with anybody. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really bizarre. It's a very strange every day that I get there. And every day that I leave, I say to myself, this just is not normal. I mean, yeah. yes, there's tennis going on and there's some good matches and Sebi Corda, That's a good story. And the Greek yeah. players and Osaka just got beat and Tsitsipas and, you know, there are some good stories and emerging players and, um, you know, Ash Barty is back and, you know, to defend her title. And there's some good storylines and things to write about, but it definitely does not feel the same in the COVID era. I mean, the only thing I keep telling myself when I get depressed about it is last year, there was no tournament this year. There is a tournament. It's very limited, but there it is. And hopefully next year will be much more normal. That's what yeah. I keep telling myself. I would hope,
0: I'm hope within 12 months, they'll be pretty back, hopefully pretty back to normal with everything. Seeing uh, the tournament, you met, I think you mentioned at some point maybe how much money the tournament's losing with the stands. I'm not even sure if they're selling the mat, the, their limited ceiling attendance tickets. I'm not even sure they're reaching capacity on that kind of sense. They probably aren't with the, how empty the stadiums look. Uh, it's hard to estimate what 800 people looks like in a stadium that's meant to seat 10,000 or something. Was it an easy, from what you know about the business side of this tournament, was it an easy decision to hold the tournament this year? I mean, Indian Wells canceled for the second year in a row. And with how reduced the purse had to be and everything, the player field got decimated, especially on the men's side. All the top guys pretty much pulled out or all the big stars, let's say it that Mm way, on the men's side pulled out. Serena was a late withdrawal for, I think she would have played, but she had this oral surgery issue. Same with Andy Murray. I think Andy Murray probably would have played but had Oh, Andy definitely.
1: Andy is the one who Andy for sure would have played because he flew all the way here and he yeah. did train on Key Biscayne and he really was pumped to play. I spoke to, I did get to speak to him um, and he really was pumped to play. I mean, he, he did fly all the way here and he was excited to play and he had this, you know, very strange groin injury in the middle of the night. But yeah, the purse is uh, 300,000. It's normally 1.35 million. So it's less than a quarter. Um, the The winners are getting less than a quarter what they normally would. So what some of the people have said is that without having Indian Wells, you know, normally the players based in Europe, they come over here and they're, you know, they do like a US swing. They do Indian Wells, they come here, there's two big purses. um, And for those type of players that are on the top, like Roger and Rafa Novak, um, to fly all the way here with, they could only have three people, by the way, you can only have plus three with you so they're being very strict about that i even asked is that even like the the big stars and they said yes they can't come with their giant families and entourages um you know they basically can come with three people total which would be your family and your coach and your physio and your whoever three people they're requiring them to stay all in the tournament there are two tournament hotels so yeah. you can't go off and stay in your villa by the beach or whatever, your own condo. You have to stay where all the other riffraff is staying. <laughs> uh, you have to ride the, the tournament shuttle bus to go between the hotel and the, and the uh, stadium. So, you know, I think for the top, top marquee players, maybe it just wasn't that appealing to them to fly all the way here for a very reduced purse, not be able to bring their families have to stay in a hotel with everybody else, take a shuttle bus with everybody else. That's not how they normally roll, you know? So yeah. I just think it didn't work for some of those guys.
0: And, and the local players, because plenty of players live in South Florida and would often commute to like yes. Serena, commutes from Palm Beach Gardens to keep a scan in the old days. Right. Um, and I think Naomi Osaka probably would have been able to stay somewhere within driving distance of the tournament as well. And Kennan and other top players like that. Yeah, they all would have had to be in the bubble as well. There were no... Except yeah, and they are. That. And they
1: talked about it. I mean, Kenneth and Anna Samova, they said it feels strange to be staying in a hotel that's like 10 minutes or 15 minutes from their home. But yeah. they really are. They really are trying to be strict in creating the bubble atmosphere. And, um, you know, I guess it just didn't work. Um, but, yeah, the finances of it. I still scratch my head at the finances of it because I it cannot imagine Although the food is really expensive from those food trucks. I mean, no. I got a tiny bowl of ceviche, like a little bowl of ceviche, <laughs> and they were char- they charged $22 for it. And I was Ooh. like, wow, 22 bucks for a tiny little bowl of ceviche. Okay. So, you know, the prices are high, the ticket prices, the food prices. But even that, if you only have, even if they have 800 people there, Uh, and everybody buys a bowl of ceviche you know Um, (laughs) there's still I just still can't see how it pays for the purse and hosting that event and all of the staff they have There is security everywhere I mean every five steps there's a security guard to make sure you have your mask on they I've, I've seen them they're arguing with anybody who drops their mask who's not drinking or eating they come over and tell you you have to put your mask on so they're, they have a lot of staff on site that costs money. You know, uh, running that tournament costs money. So I really don't, I don't understand the finances of how it's working. I really yeah. don't. And they haven't opened their books for me, but I don't understand how it's working.
0: Yeah, that sure reminds me of, it was like a comedy club. They had like a two ceviche minimum that you had to have when you were on the, <laughs> uh, on the grounds. But um, so, yeah, that's sort of where I was getting at. Like Indie Wells canceled. Like, do you think should Miami have canceled if this is what it could do and granted like you said there's been some good matches there has been nice weather people who have been there seem to be enjoying themselves but it has to be losing so much money I don't know how much losses could have been cut or or conversely if missing two years puts the tournament in a really vulnerable spot if it starts to lose its
1: yeah its I think and its security. that's I think that's a big factor because this tournament It already lost, you know, they're trying to gain footing. They're trying to, they're trying to, they're in a new site. I mean, there's no way around it. Key Biscayne was there for three decades, 30 years. Everyone knew what it was. Everybody, you know, everyone knew what the Key Biscayne Miami Open was, whether it was Lipton or Sony or Ericsson Miami Open. Everyone knew what that was. It was that big festival on Key Biscayne every year. And there were traffic jams and Mm -hmm. people would hate the traffic jams but now everybody wishes there were tra- traffic jams. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think they, they moved it for complicated reasons and they only had really one year to get that thing going at the new venue. And it was it was just the first year. They did get over 300,000 people there. They were just starting to, you know, introduce that event to the community because that's a different, honestly, the, the, um, the audience up there, Uh, A lot of it was very different from the audience that I saw in Key Biscayne. They're drawing from Palm Beach County, Broward County. um, People who never went to Key Biscayne were all of a sudden showing up at the stadium. They also offered tickets to all the Dolphin. The Dolphin season ticket holders had big dibs on these tickets. So a lot of people that never watch tennis, but they have a skybox at the uh, football games. They were like, oh. There's this tennis tournament here. I've heard about it. Why don't we get some tickets for that? So, you know, they really were trying to introduce the event to some new people, some new markets that, that that were not going in Key Biscayne, and they only got to do that for one year. And then all of a sudden, bam, COVID comes, and they have to cancel the next year. And yes, I think that if they had to go two years without the Miami Open. You know, out of sight, out of mind. You know, I really think two years without any tennis here, uh, the local community may sort of push it to the back seat. You know, they've got the Marlins, there's Inter-Miami now soccer, there's this and that and the other, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, So I think they wanted to maintain a presence in the community. They can still have billboards, you know, people still know there's some tennis tournament going on over there at the stadium, whether they attend or not. It's on the local media here. It's in the Miami Herald on the front of the sports section. So I think that that's valuable to them. You know, I don't know. I, again, I don't know what the money is, but I do think that they, um, I know from talking to people that they didn't want to go two years without that event. I just, you know, Indian Wells is Indian Wells. Everybody knows what that is. And if they miss two years, they come back next year, people still know what it is. It's in the same place, it looks the same. Uh, here they're trying to build something new and they didn't really get a chance, so I don't know. It's a shame. It's a shame. I mean, it's it's a I've always loved this event honestly for 30 years. I've covered it from way back when it was even in Delray Beach, and mm. it's a wonderful event. It had so much, it had a very special tropical Latin feel to it, it was different from the other tournaments. Um, and I hope that they can sort of rebuild that again somehow at this new stadium parking lot facility.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And like you said, I wrote about it last time I was there in 2019 about it being the wrote a story about it being sort of the Grand Slam of Latin America and all the media attention that it gets from Latin press. And they still have like Latin Media Day, uh, you know, before right. the tournament for all the, for all the Latin American players, which is a very unique thing they do. Yes, yeah, so hopefully it gets it gets back on its feet for next year. And and positive is you know this is always not take this for granted. It has not been a super spreader event that we know of at all. So that's the positive thing. that's still always a a risk with with big events you put on these days as the pandemic continues, even if vaccines are are starting to do pretty well in the US or get people a lot lots of people are getting them. Um hasn't made things worse there. So that's positive and not something every tenants event has been able to say in the past year. Yeah. So hopefully it gets back to normal uh for next year. And hopefully Michelle, I'll see you there in twenty twenty two That'd be
1: great. I would love a crowded press box. I I wish there were traffic jams. I mean, I drive, I've never gotten to that stadium as fast as I'm getting there now. I mean, I, I, yeah. I get there and I just zoom right into the parking lot and walk right through. I, you know, they take my temperature. I do the, the thing that takes the longest is filling out that daily questionnaire, but they really are strict. I'm not going to cheat anymore. I promise <laughs> I'm going to do the daily symptom checker every single day, like a good little doobie.
0: Yeah, well, you're one of the people who enjoy seeing on the as the tour makes the way around the world, and Miami's a fun place to be. And like, yeah, I miss the like you said, the camaraderie of of full press boxes. It just, it's just, especially I think sports writers more than a lot of people are, especially covering stuff remotely. You know, we're not seeing any of our colleagues at all ever, and so it's just a different sort of yeah, isolating feeling, like you said.
1: It's but, weird. Uh, like normally yeah. you're with your colleagues and you're you're watching the match together. And you're oh my God. And how many, how many strokes was that rally and whatever? And you're talking and you're sharing and you're, you know, sharing the experience. And now even, even though I'm there, I'm one of the only print reporter. I'm one of the only people that's even there that's able to sit in the, they have five media seats total. There are five media seats in the grandstand that you can sit in. Um, So, you know, it's, it's, it's lonely. It really is kind of lonely to be honest. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for making this afternoon less lonely for me for our (laughs) listeners thank you very much michelle and enjoy the rest of the uh tournament
1: all right thank you thanks for having me
0: thank you michelle and thank you to all of you for listening to ncr if you want to follow the show and you're not listening you can follow us on twitter at ncr underscore tennis and you can send us emails questions comments whatever to no challenges remaining at gmail.com you can also show your support for us on patreon patreon.com slash no challenges remaining Courtney and I, as I mentioned last episode, are doing a mailbag episode recording next week for our Patreon backers, so you can go to Patreon and find that post there and leave us questions, and we'll be sure to answer them as best we can on this Patreon-exclusive episode coming up. As always, I want to thank our Patreon Slam Champ backers. We thank every episode. They are Susanna W., Sean Mulroy, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Liz Kinnell, Jonathan Weinbaum, Jean Simeon, James Hindle. Audrey Wellens, Antonia Maycumber, and Anna Valinder, and our goat backers Mike, Nicole Copeland, Chris Bishop, Pam Shriver, and J O D. We'll see you guys again soon in the month of April. Bye, guys.